It's very kind of you. Lionel said, feeling at once that this would solve a problem, and yet that the solving it would leave him with nothing but the horror of things to deal with. Even such a worrying question as what to do with Adrian was a slight change of torment. But that, he reflected somberly, was selfish. Selfish, good heavens, selfish. And after a long pause, he said again, It's very kind of you. Not a bit. Gregory answered. I should even, in a sense, like it. And you must be free. It's most unfortunate. It seems sometimes as if there was an adverse fate in things, lying in ambush. Ambush? Lionel asked, relieved yet irritated at being made to talk. What did people like Gregory know of adverse fate? Not much ambush, I think. It's pretty obvious, once one's had a glimpse of the world. Religion normally has a mildly stupefying effect on the minds of its disciples, and this Gregory had not altogether escaped. He had thought it would give him half an hour's pleasant relaxation to worry Lionel, and he had not realized that Lionel was, even in his usual state, beyond this. He went on accordingly. There seems a hitch in the way things work. Happiness is always just around the corner. No hitch, surely, Lionel said. The whole scheme of things is malign and omnipotent. That is the way they work. There is none that do with good. No, not one. It depends perhaps on one's definition of good, Gregory answered. There is at least satisfaction and delight. There is no satisfaction and no delight that has not treachery within it, Lionel said. There is always Judas. The name of the world that none has dared to speak is Judas. Gregory turned his head to see better the young face from which this summary of life issued. He felt perplexed and uncertain. He had expected a door and found an iron barrier. But, he said doubtfully, had Judas himself no delight? There is an old story that there is rapture in the worship of treachery and malice and cruelty and sin. Who? Lionel said contemptuously. It is the ordinary religion disguised. It is the church-going clerk's religion. Satanism is the clerk at the brothel. Audacious little middle-class cocksparrow. You are talking wildly. Gregory said a little angrily. I have met people who have made me sure that there is a rapture of iniquity. There is a rapture of anything, if you come to that, Lionel answered. Drink, or gambling, or poetry, or love, or, I suppose, Satanism. But the one certainty is that the traitor is always and everywhere present in evil and good alike. And all is horrible in the end. There is a way to delight in horror. Gregory said. There is no way to delight in the horrible. Lionel answered. Let us pray only that immortality is a dream, but I don't suppose it is, he added coolly. This week on the Inklings Variety Hour, we're continuing part four of our five-part discussion of War in Heaven. Charles Williams's modern take on the Holy Grail quest. In the chapters we discussed this week, Gregory Persimmons drives Barbara Rackstraw insane using the ointment in order to obtain both the Grail and Barbara and Lionel's son Adrian. The guardians of the Grail willingly trade the Grail for Barbara's sanity, only to have her cured by an unexpected visitor, who is somehow the Grail himself. It's not who you think. In this episode, Satanism meets pessimism, devotion to relics meets humanism, and everybody meets Prester John. It's the Inklings Variety Hour. I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self.
That was the very first oh. dramatic reading I with know. all three of us. Oh, bless our hearts. Well done. And and <laughs> who who are the two of you? I'm Anna. <laughs> we always do that. Yes. It's terrible. Oh, you go. <laughs> I'm Megan Logsdon. I played to the part of Lionel. I'm Annika Smith, and I was your narrator. And I am Chris Pipkin, and I played the part of Gregory, the Satanist, who <laughs> has... Tries to delight in the horrible. Yes. Yes, yes, and who, who um, has just driven Lionel's wife insane and is mm -hmm. offering to take Lionel's child off his hands. Uh, now, Lionel does not know that um, it's Gregory's fault, that, um, you know, Gregory has applied a magic ointment to a, um, <laughs> to, to, uh, a cut um, on, on Barbara's arm um, and that has driven her insane. Um, and so that's why Lionel is saying it's very kind of you um, at the beginning of the, of the passage. Um, but um, what, what, um, let's talk some more about, uh, <laughs> war in heaven. Um, where do you all want to start? Um, as we talk about, uh, we, well, I, yeah. I don't want to linger too much on the ointment, but I, I do love, um, even this, and this is not a Christian marriage. Um, but the acknowledgement of the importance of the intimacy and the bodily knowledge that sort of saves Barbara, it seems, um, when she is initially lost and cries out for her husband, Lionel. Mm -hmm. and, and he says, I'm here. Can't you see me? Can't you feel me? And it says, uh, by the long alliance of their bodies, knit by innumerable light touches of impatience or of delight, some kind of bridge seemed to be established. Um, and I, I love that description and that very anti-Gnostic, um, very, it, it feels very Charles Williamsy and very Christian too, in the, the importance of the body as knit to the soul and not separable from it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's, um, that's a huge theme and I'm realizing just how huge of this whole book, right? Um, that, um, that this is about a very important object, but in another sense, it's about all objects. Um, yes. it, it's about materiality itself, right? That this is, um, this is Williams kind of talking to us about um, creation mm -hmm. as something that is inherently good. Um, and that the grail is a way of talking about that. And he talks about the grail, both Gregory and the archdeacon in, in this. Gregory, the devil worshiper, and, and the archdeacon, who's not, um, talk, <laughs> <laughs> talk about the grail as this kind of fulcrum and, and center. Um, right. But at the same time, the archdeacon realizes that, um, you know, number one, it's precious to him mainly because Christ may have held it or it may be look like a thing that Christ held and, and also that as an object, it demands courtesy from him. Um, and, uh, and, and that, um, you know, God reveals himself through, uh, creation. Um, and, and that, um, you know, viewing, uh, having a high view of material things is a Christian, um, yeah, is a Christian way to be. Um, and especially using the grail as the focal point is just heightens that marriage between the material world and the spiritual world. Yes. Um, so it's, it's really perfect for William's purposes in this novel. Um, yeah, just that he's, he's very concerned with, um, yeah, that, that inherent goodness of creation. Um, you know, it's not that, it's not that the whole of creation has gone bad it's that we as humans went bad and and now have the potential to do evil um yeah and and so um that i think that bumps up against a lot of understandings of you know um some more, some more maybe some more calvinistic understandings of um of the creation like the whole of creation has fallen and that's really not a, a concept that i think 
Williams and, and so many other uh, Christian thinkers before and after him have, have thought. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's really highlighted um, in, in this novel in particular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Lionel, in, in the passage we just read, I, I think, you know, um, somewhere the narrator says that he was impacted by, um, uh, not, to, not to speak too ill of Calvinism, because I realize that people can definitely uh, uh, mischaracterize it or mischaracterize yes. oh, sure. what Calvinists say, but, um, you know, Williams may, may be doing that. Um, if that's true, uh, because, uh, because he says, he says Lionel, Lionel was raised by Calvinists, right? Where yes. raised by wild Calvinists in the, in the woods or something like that. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, or, or maybe just in England. Um, but, um, yeah. So Lionel has this very sort of despairing, he, he didn't, carry the sort of faith of the Calvinists with him, but he has a kind of very bleak view of the world, right? And that comes, that comes in as early as when he, he discovers a dead body in his office uh, where he (laughs) works as a publisher or where he he works at the publisher, right? I forgot Um, about the murder at the beginning of the novel. Yeah. 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 Right? That was my whole point, like however many episodes ago that was. Yeah. Like when I first read this book, I told, at this point I had totally forgotten there was even a murder. Well, it just goes to show you, as we've been saying, you should never forget about the body. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, no. Wow. Uh, Wait, wow. whose body? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. Uh, great. Dorothy Sayers is next. Dorothy Sayers. Woo! <laughs> oh, Deep man. cut. <laughs> I hope, by this point, I hope, the, I, I hope our listeners are all as, as nerdy as we are. Um, <laughs> no, but I was going to say, piggybacking on your on your point about Calvinism, because <laughs> um, in that passage where I, like I actually have that underlined in my book, but um, it, the main difference seems to be he, he acknowledges that he is a little bit of a Calvinist. So um, it's just that the difference is that he doesn't really want to proselytize other people about being a Calvinist. So. Um, which is, which is interesting. So I, so I don't think, and, and I was actually thinking about, um, he, uh, Williams talks a little bit about Calvinism, um, in, uh, Descent of the Dove, um, in his history of the church, mm-hmm. um, which we will get to at some point, I'm sure. Um, but he talks about it in there and he essentially says kind of what you said, Chris, that, you know, people can mischaracterize Calvin, you know, and there are things in Calvin that are, that are true and, and, and good, you know, but there's room for debate on, on some things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't pretend to understand Calvinism fully enough to thoroughgoingly reject it. Um, I, I need to read what Calvin actually wrote, which I, you know, who I've got three kids. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We don't have time for that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, I know I read part of institutes in college, yeah. but it's been a long time. And yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So this, this, I really, I'm, I'm glad you all wanted to read this because I really enjoyed it. Um, this, this sort of interview between Gregory and Lionel um, because Gregory, as we know, uh, because he just loves evil so much um, really gets a lot of joy out of, ruining people's lives and souls and um and he tries to does he does he like isn't he trying to talk himself into like oh i really am eking out delight here or or because it sounds like he's almost he's he's shaken by lionel's um by lionel's his his, his, like almost like pessimistic realism yeah 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 and that's 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 the wall where he thought there'd be a door right exactly exactly yeah 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 like he 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 has done this to his son for a very long time he's done this to his father you know presumably he's done this to his wife where he's just caused people to despair and he's just driven lionel's wife crazy through use of the ointment right um um temporarily crazy but but still crazy um 
and uh and he's trying to you know he's trying to say oh you know it's like an ambush when just when things are going well you know blah 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 and and lionel's <laughs> like oh yeah well i knew that that's that's the nature of things you know and he's like what what is wrong with you <laughs> like, why are you so depressing to talk to i just think the whole it's so scheme of things. it's so interesting to me that like this this appears to be the first time that Gregory is ever stymied. Yeah. Like, and it's not, it's not from where you would expect. You expect mm-hmm. it to be, oh, well, the archdeacon will, you know, say something spiritual and, you know, make him, you know, give him pause or whatever. But he doesn't really. And, like, it doesn't come from Mornington or, you know, staunch Roman Catholic Duke. It's from, it's from little Lionel Ragstraw, <laughs> who's, you know, very yeah. ordinary in his pessimism. Yeah. And, He's... you know, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. been puddle glummed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> uh... There is no one who does good. Not one. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a there's a really interesting like um so so we've got Lionel, we've got um like throughout, I think a lot of the inklings work. Um I see this as a kind of theme, the the sort of Christian pessimist. Um and and there's a certain amount of admiration i think a lot of times for and and maybe maybe part of it is just having you know gone through two world wars and having to deal with like oh yeah i i i imagine like we'll all die <laughs> but um but still you know some some of the characters of course have you know hold hold on to hope despite their natural pessimism um lionel is isn't quite there at, at this point anyway um but but yeah, there's a uh, there, there's just kind of a um, slight admiration I think for people that can just kind of look the world in the face, be really pessimistic about it, even if they're like kind of wrong, right? And 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 mm-hmm. still like you know bugger on, right? Um, uh, any anything else about that interview that that you all wanted to? Um, yeah. That that wonderful that wonderful line, uh, Satanism is the clerk at the brothel. Um, it, that's the one that really gets Gregory going. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. I, I love it. But I mean, in a, it's it's just interesting because in a sense he's right, you know? Um, and I think actually later, it's later on in um, in this chapter, um, there's kind of a, a, a Gregory is, is sort of contemplating his own religious, uh, religious leanings on page 174. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, of all those who lay awake under those midnight stars, he was the only one who had a naturally religious spirit. To him, only the unknown beyond man's life presented itself as alive with hierarchical presences arrayed in rising orders to the central throne. Him alone, sacraments were living realities, the ointment and the black mass, the ritual and order of worship. He, beyond any of them, demanded a response from the darkness. A rush of ardent faith believed that it came. And so... It's, he's very much, it's, it's just interesting because it's almost just a mirror of, you know, the everyday English churchman, you know, um, you know, he's got that religious spirit. Um, He just, he's at the brothel instead of (laughs) at the church. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so I, I I think that's interesting that that's at play. Also, um, again, kind of undergirds the theory that Gregory is more salvageable than other characters than Manasseh or the or or Dimitri. Yeah. Um yeah. Like he's still he's still stuck because he's still thinking in terms of religion when he he should really just reject all any and all religion. Um so there's still a way out for him um in the end. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was reading a an article that I admired um earlier uh today. Uh, by Scott McLaren called Hermeticism and the Metaphysics of Goodness in the Novels of Charles Williams. Uh, and one of the points that uh, McLaren makes um, is, um, is that Gregory alone out of this like kind of coven of three, right? Um, Gregory alone has not rejected stuff. He's still, right. he's excited about the grail. Um, yep. Now he, he, you know, has rejected, you know, God, um, right. Or he thinks he has, um, but he's, um, he's, he's excited 
um, by the fact that the grail is, in his words, the center, right? Or it's at the center. Um, and, 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 and so he, he still desires uh, the, the God who created because he loves this thing and, and, and not just as like a way to make himself richer, but as, as an actual like, object. Uh, yeah. 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 Some, something worth contemplating in its own right. Right. Um, so, so yeah, he, he's, he's salvageable despite the horrible things that he's doing and the fact that he's a murderer um, and the fact that, you know, all of these other um, it, it's an interesting point of contrast to like Gollum, right. Uh, who who also very much loves a physical object right but but is clearly not salvageable by the end Uh, but 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 he was right up to the end right yeah like that was the it was the the mercy and he has a part he has a part to play and yeah pity um yeah 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 yeah, and in, he, in, in a way, he yeah. kind of found redemption, even though it was you know redemption equals death. You know, you know. Yeah, I don't know. You know? He, he's he's like the you know the the weapon in God's hand. So yeah. you know, yeah. uh, like he's being used by God, but like despite himself, it, it yeah. seems like rather than cooperating. Uh, but uh, but I'm open to you know if if anybody wants to argue that that goblin not a is, hill i'm gonna die on is saved in yeah. the end <laughs> that no, they not, see not him that once again <laughs> not that he's saved in the end but he's not he's not a part no, of no, the, no, yeah. the abyss of of morgoth yeah. and sauron and yeah. like he's yeah, that's, he's not that's more on what i meant their side <laughs> maybe right? there's like a deleted scene where they're all partying in valinor and the force <laughs> the force ghost of Gollum is sitting up there <laughs> Like just kind of giving us, and he looks the way you know he looks the way he looked when he was younger, oh, like uh, Hayden Christensen Andy or something. Circus. Um, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> or, or oh, Andy no. Serkis. Uh, all right, we're getting wow. way off way off topic yeah, because off. of me. I'm um, sorry. Well, let's let's go to just like the the action in the third attempt on the Grail. Yes. Um, being the the bar the bargaining with the grail with for for barbara's sanity and her life um and the our heroes the duke the archdeacon and mornington um realizing that gregory is is basically holding barbara hostage Mm -hmm. and their their reactions um and especially like the I don't know about you guys, even the second time reading this, I am shocked with the um, the ease with which the archdeacon, but also even Kenneth realizing well i don't I don't want to think of Barbara being hurt. she's a nice thing. Um, maybe it'd be worth the grail and and the duke's initial reaction is mine as a reader. What's a woman's life? What are any of our lives compared to this? And Kenneth isn't satisfied. He says, besides, it isn't her life. It's, it's her reason. Um, and the Duke's response is, this thing is more than the whole world. And, and the, the, the uh, sort of the idolatry of that statement, right, mm-hmm. of, of elevating even, even a relic, even yeah. a, a very worthy, um, venerable object above a single individual. It uh, is shocking in, in a normal perspective um, where we fight wars over anything and everything. But um, in, the, in the eternal perspective, it reminded me a lot of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. And, you know, you've never met an ordinary creature but you know nations civilizations arts like these are these are passing away but every human individual is eternal and the especially the elevation of this is kind of a she's portrayed as maybe even a frivolous housewife someone who's just about her child and her life and um sort of written off by the other characters but seen as is worth sacrificing everything for uh, in comparison to even the grail, which I 
I love, I love that they did that. And I'm also interested um, why does housewives and day laborers end up being um, worth so much in these stories, which I, I kind of like. It reminds me of um, Sarah Smith of uh, Golders Green in The Great Divorce, uh, how she has becomes a queen in heaven, sort of like in The Pearl. Um, and she was just a nobody on earth that no one would have noticed um, from anyone, uh, but in heaven, she is, she's a queen. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think of that? I mean, uh, just thinking about it now, I mean, that's another commonality, I think, among the Inklings too, because I'm thinking of the more obvious example of Sam from Lord of the Rings or really, really all of the Hobbits actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're just very ordinary, just down to earth. No one, they're not elves. They don't have any kind of magical lineage or they're just hobbits and they want to sit in their hobbit holes and eat and, <laughs> and smoke their pipes. And instead they get called out on these, you know, adventures and then they come back changed. Yes. But they're still very much at heart, ordinary people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think, uh, whether consciously or not, at least Lewis Tolkien and um, Williams are all um, thinking thinking in these terms of, well, um, ordinary is sometimes used as a derogatory right. term, you know? Um, and yes, all three of them are writing these fantastical tales and, you know, there's there are high elements of fantasy and magic, but there's that undergirding uh, feature of, of just ordinary people that drive that drive the world, you know, um, and especially for Williams, because Williams has that, the whole concept of co-inherence means that every single person is, is connect. Well, every single person who's baptized into the church is connected to one another. Um, and so that instantly elevates everyone, um, regardless of their station in life. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's, that's another one of those like strong features that just kind of flows across all of, all of the Inklings work. Yeah, I think absolutely you can't, and you can't have, you can't ascend to the sorts of joys that they kind of managed to capture, I think, without the sort of counterbalance of what they would, you know, called the homely, right? Yeah, yes. That, um, that, that there's a, which, which maybe is like slightly different from like ordinary unexceptional people. Um, but mm -hmm. I think it is tied in. Um, like I think, I think the, the kind of plain, plain, plain spoken, um, mm -hmm. ordinary person that doesn't have anything obviously amazing about them, right? That's absolutely the Hobbits. It's absolutely yeah. Sarah Smith of Golders Green. It's absolutely what Lewis is talking about in The Weight of Glory. Yeah, those are, those are um, really excellent connections. Um, and I think um, Barbara, absolutely. And I think um, uh, Williams is the only one because he's the only one that writes fiction set in like our world, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that doesn't, that, that just can have an ordinary 1920s, 1930s housewife sort of exemplify yeah. that. Right. Although, you know, the great divorce sh shows it, but it shows it from the other side of things. Um, but, but yeah, she, she seems more ordinary in a way than the hobbits do because the hobbits are not, human uh, right you know, not humans they, exactly they still have right. the magic of being able to disappear quickly yeah knowing yes. the woods yeah. you know um, <laughs> but she's someone that you might you know be tempted to be kind of like okay yeah not, not much going on there um right. she likes right. pg woodhouse and i can get on board <laughs> with that um there's uh, one one person's mind or sanity absolutely is worth you know the actually that's uh, um it's the the archdeacon's words on page 184 the he, i guess they've brought the grail um to, to bargain with and he says for myself i would not have delayed so long i would give up any relic however wonderful to save anyone an hour's neuralgia man mm -hmm. depends too much on these things and so that's just like bam there it is you know the the money quote for <laughs> for that whole idea of you know relics are nice um, and they're important, but when it comes, if, if it comes down to the relic or a, a human 
life, even if it's just to save them from some insanity, temporary insanity, we're going to go with the, with the person every time. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think in the, in the Duke you have, you know, cause I, something I was thinking about earlier, you know, we're being really down on Gnosticism and, and kind of saying, well, if you reject materiality, you know, you, you're, you're not really Christian. Right. Um, um, and I, like the question occurred to me, is there an opposite error to this? Um, it yeah. seems like the Duke yes. partially falls into that, right. Of, of emphasizing, yes, we need this relic and it doesn't matter how many people have to die for us to get mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important for its own sake. Um, and, and which Wood is so interesting well. because isn't that, isn't that every quest for the grail? I mean, it, it, it seems to fit with even the, the high romantic tradition that I would expect Mornington to, which is why it's, it's intriguing to me that Mornington is not there and that he is grounded more with the archdeacon and sees like, Oh no, like Barbara, Barbara's worth this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. And there's also, I mean, you know, if I were the Duke, I, I would just argue, well, well think of, I mean, no, it's it's not worth the same as a you know as a as a woman's soul or or, or sanity or, or whatever else. But if if we have this, think of how many people would be right. how many people's lives would be touched by this. How many people could be brought back from the abyss that Barbara is experiencing right now by um, you know encountering this object uh, mystically. And I'm I'm surprised that argument is because that's exactly you know that's why people would go and steal relics from other monasteries you know and bring <laughs> them back to theirs or uh, or or like you know die for things right it's it's right. it's because uh, right. yeah I mean my life I, I'm going to die anyway right mm-hmm. um, but this is something that has um, has the value of of potentially bringing people to God. And that's worth, you know, sacrificing your, yourself for. Um, um, I, I, I expect, and, and, and I expect this because it happens, right? Um, they don't mind sacrificing themselves. Themselves, the it's sacrificing yeah. an innocent yeah. who doesn't yeah. have that, right? Right, right. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, so they give up the grail, this time willingly, right? Um, and then things take an unexpected turn. Should I summarize or, or, or do you all want to summarize what, what happens? Now, they, they bring the grail, right? They bring the grail into the, into the house. And actually, before they give the grail up, Barbara seems to, like, get some sort of relief and seems to, like, mm-hmm. recover partly. Um, and, uh, and then outside, she talks to a strange young man dressed in gray who is identified as Prester John. I mean, are you talking about our USA our, channel hero yes. who comes in on the screen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You uh, need to uh, summarize. We can't get ahead of ourselves. Please, can't get ahead please, of ourselves. please just uh, read all of that. Okay. All right. So I have, I have little, um, I have, I have little episode or episode um, chapter summaries. Um, um, and and I want to throw this out to our listeners. Does anybody want to write a TV series intro monologue, preferably for the USA cable channel, in which Prester John travels the land writing wrongs like that guy in Quantum Leap or Kung Fu or the Highlander or Hercules series? I am Prester John. Thousands of years ago, I was granted the power to go. Um, so there's another great assignment for you on top of the kangaroo and Narnia assignment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> write a write an intro to because Prester John's you know he's he's clearly he says something like um I am the guardian of the grail and I am also the grail uh yeah I'm I'm, I'm the grail and the keeper of the grail yeah yeah he's a really enigmatic figure we should probably talk about him a little bit um um yeah I'm John and I'm Galahad and I am Mary yes yeah interesting he's very well and and at least the tradition that williams is drawing from um this is summarized from the oxford guide to arthurian literature and legend 
everyone check that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Prester John was believed to be a priest king who ruled an idyllic kingdom somewhere in Asia or in some versions of the legend, it's Africa. Um, the earliest recorded account of Prester John is in Otto of Friesing's Chronicle, um, which is from around 1145, uh, where he's said to be a descendant of the Magi, whose example inspired him to go to Jerusalem, but his plan was frustrated by the failure of the Tigris River to freeze and allow him to cross. He did not get to Jerusalem, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. And he was going to come to help the uh, help the Crusaders, right? Is that that? The, I I think so, um, if, if I remember right. Yeah. If only that Tigris River had frozen, right? Things yeah. might have turned out very differently. <laughs> and it, it was okay because I guess he, yeah. you know, he turned out to go form a king, a legendary kingdom somewhere. Um, and I think in one version of the legends, uh, the Grail actually ends up in his kingdom for safekeeping, which is probably where, um, why Williams is connecting him to the Grail here. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Prester John legend, it's it's one species of, uh, let me see if I can find the thing. Um, it's one species of uh, medieval travel writing um, where um, you're describing these amazing lands to the east, right? Um, uh, a really famous example is the book of John of Mandeville in, in, in French. Um, it's a... Uh, um, uh, 15th century text, maybe a 14th century text. Oh man, I'm going to lose my like medieval English PhD. I'm, I'm really bad with dates. Okay. <laughs> if you can hear me. You're going to lose your uh, medievalist cred. Numbers just drop out of my head. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So the book of John of Mandeville is, uh, is this bizarre medieval travel book that like John of Mandeville isn't even a real guy, right? Much less, Prester John, whose kingdom he describes, um, but um, but it's it's grounded in in kind of the Christian hope during the Crusades that like oh there are other Christians who are going to come and help us out with this whole like you know Muslim thing um, and it's partly it's partly got to do with the um, um, you know having knowing that there are other Christians in the Eastern church or in the, in the Orthodox church, but more so the Eastern church, more so the fact that there is an entire um, other branch of Christianity, the monophysic Christians um, who have um, thriving cultures from like Iraq all the way over to China uh, for about, you know, a, a thousand years. Um, and and so they're hearing these rumors of of um, of these people, um, and possibly that they've had influence with like one of their rulers, and and so um, they they kind of fabricate this legend of this this Prester John who rules over you know who who seems to be immortal because he keeps on coming back right you keep on finding letters from him to like like a few generations later um and he's got all this great stuff over there there are 70 some kings that are subject to him right um and he's uh the land that he rules over has all of these fantastic mythical beasts um and uh and, listen and, he's also got stones that cure nearsightedness yeah so that's what i'm gonna go question for yeah. okay. well you know we forget the grail uh, i need these uh, yeah. I need these nearsighted curing, nearsighted is curing stones. You've got them. You've got them. Yeah. Uh, that's, I'm not sure. I, I know, I know in the, in the um, romance Parzival, uh, which is a, a continuation of um, Chrétien de Troyes' um, Percival. Parzival though is a, is a German, is by a German writer named Wolfram, uh, Wolfram von Eschenbach. And the grail there is more of a stone. Um, which is an interesting connection with many dimensions. Um, but um, it's uh, basically uh, the um, birth of Prester John is, is kind of told. And then he's a, he's the son of a, of a grail maiden. Um, so he is identified with uh, the grail. Um, beyond that, I don't know 
why Prester John gets to be the grail and the guardian of the grail and also, you know, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, Coherence. I'm, yes, that's honestly, that's the answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess so. It, I, I'm like, oh, I wish I knew more about, you know, 1920s grail centric hermeticism because <laughs> it's, it sounds really niche but apparently a lot of people were talking about this including like hitler right right um, so, yeah so i feel like yeah like he sent you know he sent this um uh german scholar who apparently wasn't terribly enthusiastic about it um but who had written about like oh the grail still might be out there um he'd sent him to go and like try and find the grail um it's okay, everyone. He was spoiled by Indiana Jones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Indy. Um, <laughs> and, and also Indy's dad. Um, <laughs> you mean Sean Connery? Yes. <laughs> I, no, I, forget, I forget what the guy's name was in the, in the actual movie. Um, okay. So, Prester John, anything else we should say about Prester John or should ponder about Prester John? No, I want to get to Batesby. Let's get to yes. Batesby. Um, so, yeah, drive us there, Annika, like the Duke. Um, well, I, I'm more of a hopper. I'm uh, more, more of a sparrow, less of a driver. Uh, but even a sparrow has its ghost. Yes. Um, and I, speaking of Calvinism, now we jump to the Wesleyans. Mm-hmm. So Batesby has been investigating this murder and trying to figure things out. Um, and there was nothing left on the on the corpse, um, except uh, apparently a um, was it a, a pamphlet, something from a Wesleyan chapel nearby, sort of like a yeah. like a bulletin, a church yes. bulletin. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was interviewing people who who knew um, this missing man. Uh, who had just been saved at a Wesleyan mission hall and said he was going to be killed by the devil. And I, I appreciate both the discussion of Wesley, like the, the way it's lower class, it's looked down on as unbalanced and emotional. Um, too much emotion doesn't do, does it? Like poetry and all that, not stern enough. Thought, intelligence, brain, that's what helps. Um, he reminds me of, and, and later when we get to, to seeing him set free with the, the grail, um, he reminds me of, uh, in Harry Potter when, uh, Cedric Diggory and then, um, the, the old man who was one of the first victims of Voldemort, uh, come out of the wand when their ghosts come back. Um, and they, they tell Harry, um, you know, thank you and get him and yeah, all the, all the things, um, because he, he has that sort of quasi trapped state, um, Mm -hmm. and he, he, he is able to be seen and communicated. And I, I love this, um, quick little discussion on 197, um, Mm -hmm. with, with Batesby and the gray figure. Um, poetry doesn't do. Right. Poetry and Wesleyanism. Yes, they just don't um, do. Yeah. And then Prester John, uh, I was thinking that even a sparrow has its ghost, the other says, that said, and that all things work together. For good, Batesby concluded. For God, the other substituted and moved away. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, it reminded me very much of um, the, in the song of the Ainur, the uh, when Eru tells, um, oh my gosh, why am I blinking? The Lucifer figure, not yeah. more goth, but uh, uh, Melkor. 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 Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When he says, um, "You, you'll find you, you will serve me even in your despite. Like there's nothing you can do that that gets away from me." Um, and that's sovereignty, uh, and, and also that even this, um, this man, no one really knew or cared about, uh, he was seen even in his murder and he is, um, 
his ghost is still still has significance and a part to play in the story. And I appreciate that. I think too that it's interesting that um, Williams puts those words for good in Mr. Batesley's mouth, who mm-hmm. has has just said all the wrong things, I think, to the entire book. Um, and, and I was thinking about the way that Prester John substitutes for God, because it's just something that people say, you know, all things work together for good. We just kind of say mm-hmm. that. Um, but I think often when people say that, what they actually mean is all things work together for what I perceive to be mm-hmm. is my good. It'll work and, out in the end. Right, yeah. right, right. For me, you know, and, and I'll be okay. And like all the pain will go away, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, and so um, Prester John saying, no, all things work together for God, who is, who is the ultimate good. It's just that, you know, we don't always recognize that what he's doing is good. And so I think that's a very important um, substitution, if you will, uh, yeah. uh, for Williams to throw in there. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Can we talk about what happened to Barbara and her, her also, her reaction to Prester John? Yes. Um, Right before this happens, she talks about um, her, so she is saved basically because, not because Gregory releases his hold on her, but because, or Manasseh does anything, which is what they they thought would happen, Um, but because Prester John shows up and it's it's a miracle rather than magic. Um, Yes. And she says, um, you know, I was at the edge of the pit and I was falling towards. Nothing could stop me just as I fell. Uh, It was entirely all right. I fell into safety, just like being swallowed up by peace. And like, I don't know, like remembering someone. When one says, oh, joy, there's someone or other. I knew him at once, but she can't remember who he is. Um, And then she... Uh, he, he introduces himself and then on 202 um, my name is John the other said though I don't think you ever heard it but we've certainly met several times I, I know I know Barbara said stop a moment and I shall remember it was it was just before I was married surely no since then too somewhere only the other day how stupid Lionel can you help she turned a face crimson with surprise, delight, and shame to her husband. But Lionel shook his head firmly. I do seem to have seen you before, he said to the stranger, but I haven't the ghost of a notion where. It really doesn't matter, the other said. To be remembered is the chief thing. I think I have met these other gentlemen, too. It's too absurd, Kenneth said, laughing outright. But for a minute, when I saw you, I thought you were a priest I'd seen somewhere but I couldn't at all fix where, so I suppose I haven't. It was certainly in church somewhere, the stranger said, and glanced at the Duke. At Oriel, the Duke said, in whose rooms was it? But not lately, I think. Not so very much lately, answered the other. But you haven't quite forgotten me. I'm glad to see. I don't understand it at all, Barbara, still flushed and excited, answered. I feel as if it were only today You weren't at the house, were you? She asked doubtfully. The stranger smiled back. I know Mr. Persimmons, and he will know me better soon. But don't worry. How's Adrian? And I, everyone, that's a very, like, everyone encountering the Aslan's name sort of moment, right? Of um, the different reactions and the universal but particularized experience of, of Prester John. Uh, and also the rather, it's enchanting in a sense and, and spellbinding the fact that they all remember him or know him or recognize him, but cannot exactly put where he fits. Mm-hmm. I, I also really like the, right before this conversation happens, this image that uh, Charles Williams puts in here. It says, um, Barbara is still just with Lionel. It says, she smiled at him. And then as she leaned against the gate of the Cully grounds, she unconsciously stretched her arms out along the top bar on either side. So her feet close together, her palms turned upward, her face towards the evening sky. She seemed to hang remote till Kenneth said sharply, 
don't Babs, you look as if you were crucified. And I just, I don't know, that's, I mean, I can see it very clear in, in my own mind. Um, but it's, it's just a, once again, that echo of, you know, yes, Prester John is the one that saved her, but ultimately who was it that saved her through Prester John? It, it was Christ. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really love the way he kind of, I mean, some people might say it's not so subtle since he does say, you know, you look as if you're crucified, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, to me, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a subtle way to kind of tie it tie that all together but well and yeah. in the encountering when he says that he is the grail and the and the keeper of the grail and yeah. john and mary yeah. and like it, it also is is he is he christ like is right. he yeah like the center of things is he it, it's but it's not i don't know i i haven't i still yeah. can't quite yeah. tease it out yeah. which adds to the enchantment this yeah. also is thou neither is this thou Yes, that's the, an that's the answer. <laughs> or, or is he an immortal who must sword duel other immortals to soundtrack by Queen until he's the only one left? Oh um, my gosh! Um, and and go through English villages, writing wrongs and restoring people <laughs> to sanity. Um, yes. Well, I mean, even the, 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 just the next page when he has the message for Kenneth, right? Um, yes. He, he takes a step nearer, but for you, I have no message except the message of the grail. Surely I come quickly tonight. Thou shall be with me in paradise. And he's, he's a messenger, but is he also the uh, right? Like to say the words of Christ to the thief on the cross it, it, yeah, it's the yeah. message of the grail, but it's also, is it Jesus himself? Um, yeah. He, yeah. He acts like the risen Christ throughout, right? Yeah. I mean, he's just kind of appearing in places and, you know, writing wrongs, right? So you could also make a USA show about the risen Christ and, you know, going to America and <laughs> oh all that. Uh, hey, but, who uh, really wants to write Mormonism? a USA show? I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going you know, to America? You could, you could do a little <laughs> of that to get the Mormon audience in on it. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, oh, my gosh. But, but no, seriously, though, I'm going to be serious. Um, the uh, <laughs> I think – I think he, because he is the grail and the grail bore the blood of Christ in it, that that is why he is Mary, right? Yes. Because Mary bore mm, yeah. Christ in the sense all believers are Mary. Are Mary, way, yes. Right? Um, and, and Galahad bore the grail. He achieved the grail, right, through through his purity. Um, John, uh, I don't know if, like in one of the traditions, John takes the grail. I know Joseph of Arimathea did. Um, I'm not sure exactly how John is a, well, is pictured well, as a Christ bearer, right? Well, um, but, yeah. Well, John, I guess is, you know, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, right. you know? Yeah. And he sees the water and the blood. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's the one yeah. We, we don't right. like who wasn't killed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, At least, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I first read this book, before I knew about like the Prester John legend, uh, I was like, is this like, is this John the Apostle who never died? Oh. You know? Which, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. He went we're from not. Patmos. We're not putting many like limits on who Prester John can be, right? So it's, yeah. it's possible, right? If if he if he could maybe be Jesus, then he could probably also maybe be. I mean, he says I'm John, so um, yeah. yeah. Uh, quite a quite an enigma, enigmatic figure. Um, I want I wanted to point out one other conversation he has with our friend Sir Giles Tumulty um, when uh, Sir Giles Tumulty finally kind of gets put in his place at the beginning of Chapter Thirteen. Mm. Conversations of the young man in gray because uh, Sir Giles is overpowering curiosity. He's he's talking with this with this guy right, um, saying oh, you seem a little bit familiar. Um, and he asks him, who are you? Um, he, because his overpowering curiosity freed from other desires thrust him forward. And Prester John says, I will tell you if you like, the stranger said, smiling, for at least, at least you are really curious. I am Prester John. I am the grail and the keeper of the grail. All enchantment has been stolen from me, and to me the vessel itself shall return. 
Sir Giles stepped back. Nonsense, he said. Prester John, indeed. However, it's not my affair. You don't seem to have kept the grail very well. He stepped toward the station, but paused as he heard the stranger's voice behind him. This is the second time we have met Giles Tumulty, it said. I warn you that one day when you meet me, you shall find me too like yourself to please you. It is a joyous thing to study the movements of men as you study insects under a stone. But you shall run a weary race when I and the heavens watch you and laugh at you and tease you to go away that you would not. Then you shall scrabble in the universe as an ant against the smoothness of the inner side of the grail, and none shall pick you out or deliver you forever. There is a place in the pit where I shall be found, but there is no place for you who do not enter the pit, though you thrust others in. Um, so that's his, um, you know, like um, the ant in the pit and the, yeah, yeah. the grail is judgment. Yeah. 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 So basically the way that Sir Giles has been, you know, refusing to be taken in, but just kind of gratifying his curiosity dispassionately, you know, towards other human beings, that is, um, the kind of, uh, I mean, it's not really, it's not really karma, right? But it's a, it's a sort of to the shrewd, you will show yourself shrewd kind of, kind mm -hmm. of judgment, right? That, that, that is, that is what he is becoming, right? Mm -hmm. He's becoming something for whom no mercy is possible because he yeah. has not felt mercy toward, toward others and acted on, he, he hasn't treated other people like people, which has made him into less of, of a person and more of an ant scrabbling on the edge of a grail. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that also kind of puts another stone in the maybe Prester John is Jesus bucket. Right. Um, because <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, don't, I don't know where that metaphor is from, uh, but, um, but yeah, um, <laughs> the, the uh, yeah, the, the, the idea that, um, you know, he, he's an agent of judgment, um, you know, just as he is the grail who is the you know the the thing that that held christ's blood um mm. but, uh, and and heaven laughing like like that mm -hmm. that derision that sort of um like in the psalms when god scoffs at the scoffers right um that seems the most surprising bit of judgment yeah um, yeah um, yeah, I mean, you know, Jesus, at least when he was on earth, he would, he would weep when people were, you know, acting in this way, but the, the judgment has much more of the Psalms in it. Right. And in terms of the, yeah, like Psalm two, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is like, frankly, a bit terrifying. Um, but, um, but yeah, on that happy note. Um, let's conclude <laughs> our, our hour. Um, I hope you have been edified, dear listeners. Um, and uh, I'm still looking for a non-awkward way to, uh, to wrap these hours up. Um, let's so go find Prester John. Let us, let us go forth into the world and find Prester John um, and hope that he will be kind to us. Um, <laughs> The end. the end. Hope he'll remember us from that one time we were all smoking in our rooms at Oriel. Or yeah. 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 that one time. I am Prester John. I am the Grail and the Keeper of the Grail. All enchantment has been stolen from me, and to me the vessel itself shall return. Seventy-two kings are tributaries to me, and I travel their seventy-two provinces, righting wrongs, curing people whose minds are afflicted by satanic lotion, and paraphrasing the Psalms despite anthropologists. I also totally would have helped with the Crusades if the Tigris River had only frozen over like I was expecting it to. In the end, there can be only one priest king. May it be me, Prester John, because I'm awesome. Here we are, born to be kings, we're the princes of the universe. <laughs>
next encounter full of joy, unscheduled on the Giessen plan, with here an addict of Tolkien, there a Charles Williams fan.